About 1,700 years ago, there was a great church leader who was called Bazael. After the apostle of the New Testament, some would argue that he's the greatest Christian man who has ever lived. Wherever he went, he made powerful impact upon the people he engaged. Someone said, Bazael, his words were like thunder because his life was like lightning. Isn't that what, isn't that what the world needs? Christians with lives of lightning. You may know a lot of people who profess Christian faith, who talk to Jesus, talk with ease, who, who claim they've moved far along in the journey. And yet, I don't, want to be, I don't want to sound judgmental, you will probably agree with me that there are few people that you know with a deep, deep faith in Jesus. But something electrifying happens, church, when believers really have an authentic faith in Jesus. Something dynamic happens, something profound and prolific happens when we truly believe in Jesus. We are able to bring hope to the hopeless. We are able to bring food to the hungry. We are able to bring joy to the depressed. We are able to bring freedom to the sinner. We are able to bring power to the powerless because something Electrifying happens when our faith in Jesus meet one another. It is clear that this country and this world are still in a state of social unrest. But I still believe that God's church is still his answer to a dying world. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the answer to a dark world. The world may be paralyzed during these times, but the church should be on the move. The world may be paralyzed by sin, but the church should be on the move. The world cannot come to God, but the church can come to the world. Friends, the world needs a church that is willing to be present. The world needs a church that is not paralyzed by hard times and difficult times and complicated times, but the world needs a church that is not scared of darkness, not scared of, 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 of the economy going bad. The, the world needs a church that believes in Jesus and believes that Jesus is still the answer to the world. But we only do that if we have faith in Jesus. Because, friends, something happens when our faith and God meet. Something happens when our faith and God cross paths. And in our story today, the faith of a couple people crosses the path of Jesus in a house. Uh, oh, 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 you're going to love this story because, because something dynamic happens in the context of a house because a couple people in their faith meets Jesus. And I want to preach from this thought, y'all. Jesus in the house. That's not T-H-E. That's, that's D-A, all right? That's in the house. Master degree or not, I'm keeping my hood, all right? Jesus stayed at somebody's 
crib in this verse. If you watch Jesus' ministry closely, a lot went down by just being at people's house. If you read through the Gospels, you will often find Jesus at the home of somebody. Jesus was big on house church. And today I want to look at the passage that tell a story about Jesus being in a house. The setting for our text today is very, very early within the earthly ministry of Jesus. He has completed a preaching campaign in the surrounding areas and has returned to Capernaum. This was an important place for Jesus, becoming the central location for his ministry work in the north. But where, but where did Jesus stay while he was in Capernaum? Theologians believe that, that, that Jesus stayed at his homeboy house, Peter. Yeah, 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 that Peter offered a spot for Jesus to kick it, to hang, and to find some rest. And so in this scene, what we have is Jesus uh, literally taking a, 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 a kind of camping out on Peter's couch. Can you imagine Jesus at your house, on your couch, with nowhere else to sleep? The son of God, the creator of the universe, crashing on your lazy boy at your crib in front of your 80-inch screen TV. This is the scene that we have. Jesus is chilling with his homeboy, Peter. And he's likely crashing on Peter's couch. Likely waking up in the morning, eating Captain Crunch, playing the Xbox. I'm just messing around. But he certainly had uh, 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 Peter's Wi-Fi password for sure because was there so many times. Jesus had become well known in Capernaum while he was kicking it at Peter's crib. He was also known for his miracles and his preaching. And upon returning there, y'all word spread quickly that Jesus was back in Capernaum, that Jesus was at his boy Peter's crib. And although the emphasis was likely on his miracles, the reason why the word was spreading, the people were excited that Jesus had returned to Capernaum. And they told everyone they met that he was in the house. And there is a danger, though, in seeking the benefits of the Lord without actually desiring him. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but, but nevertheless, there's an excitement in Capernaum because the Lord of the universe has made his way back and he's at Peter's House and the excitement in the city grows about Jesus' presence in the house. But friends, it beckons a question. What was, what was the intent of Jesus' ministry? Yes, he's in Capernaum. Yes, he's in the house. But, but why is he there? Why, why, why is Jesus sleeping on the couch of Peter? Why is Jesus the son of God, the son of the universe, the creator of all things? What is he doing at Peter's house? What, what is his purpose? And so if you're going to understand Jesus's ministry, you have got to understand Jesus's purpose. So, so I want to dive into his purpose in the house. As Jesus began his public ministry, a multitude of people came to him. Some came for healing, others to receive material blessings. Some came out of curiosity, and others came to hear his message. The same thing with Sunday morning. All of us are here for different reasons. Everybody are, is not here because they want to hear the word. Some people are here for speculation. Some people heard something. Some people are coming because they were made to come to church. And so often when Jesus would have a crowd, there was a multitude of reasons why these 
these people were coming to see Jesus. And it wasn't always that they were coming to see Jesus for Jesus. They was coming to see Jesus for all kinds of reasons. And the Bible reveals that Jesus came for a specific purpose. Although people had all kinds of reasons for coming to Jesus, Jesus came with a particular purpose. He has ascended back to the Father. Of course, he's not here with us on earth, but the intent of his ministry hasn't changed. What was Jesus' purpose? Friends, I brought some scripture with me to help you out. Here's, here, here's what the Bible says about Jesus' purpose here on earth. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was what? Lost. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. Here's another verse. Matthew 2, Jesus will give, I mean, she will give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus. I love this part. For he will what? Save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody. And, and, and here's another one. But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who needs a physician, but those who are sick. Now go and learn what this means. I desire what? Compassion rather than sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the what? The sinner, I need you to note a couple things in these verses because if you get these verses, you will understand his purpose. Here it is. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to give eternal life. He came to save us from our sin. He came to call sinners. And what we learn in these purpose statements of Jesus is he has come to deliver people from sin and offer them eternal life. I need you to note that in your heart. That the purpose of Jesus coming was to deliver people from sin and offer them eternal life. Jesus came to make an exchange with us. Jesus came to say, I'll give you life, but you're going to have to give your life up. You're going to have to die to sin. You're going to have to turn from sin. But in return, I'll give you real life. And I know I got some folks in the room that can testify that you ain't really start living until you start walking with the God of the living. Come on, somebody. Yes. Until you found Jesus, you ain't found life. And so he came to give eternal life, calling people to himself. If we don't get Jesus' purpose, we will misunderstand his whole ministry. And one example is what people have done with his miracles. We think Jesus came to start a healing ministry, some folks. We think Jesus came to start a feeding ministry. And Jesus did those things, but that wasn't the reason that he came. The reality is, if you look at the miracles closely in Scripture, I mean, if you really slow down, if you really, like, seriously read your Bible, not just so that you can check it off your list and so you can feel good about your religiosity, but I'm talking about if you really slow down and you really begin to swim in your Bible and, and, and you really begin to examine the text and you really begin to zoom in and say, okay, Jesus, why in the world are you doing these miracles? These are the kind of questions that I like to ask my Bible. Jesus, why are you healing the blind? Jesus, why are you healing the sick? It's okay to ask God questions. And so you got to ask Jesus, Jesus, why are you doing these miracles? Because the real miracle is not that Jesus can heal the blind. 
The real miracle, listen, church, is not that he can open up deaf ears. That's not the real miracle. The real miracle and the real power is his ability to open up your spiritually blind eyes and your spiritually deaf ears so that you can hear and see God. That's the real miracle, and that's the miracle that everybody in the room needs, no matter your class, no matter your economic status, no matter your race, no matter where you're from. The real miracle that you need is the miracle-working Jesus to work a miracle in your soul so that you can see God for who he is. Is. And what the miracles did were they were there to serve, to show us that this Jesus who put on flesh and came into the world has the ability to open up your spiritual blind eyes and your spiritual deaf ears. The miracles that Jesus performed were not the point, church. And so I often get asked, why doesn't Jesus do miracles the way that he did back then? Because the point was not miracles. The point was for you to see that he was the son of God. And we're going to see that a minute in this text. I'm going to prove it to you. I need to be clear. Does God mind healing? No, he doesn't. Does God open up blind eyes? Of course he can. And does God desire to do that for his children? Absolutely. But if you think that's the whole point of his ministry, you're going to be frustrated with Jesus. Because you're going to be mad that he didn't do it for you. But this is the one thing that he promises to everyone. If you come to me, I will open up your blind eyes spiritually. I will open up your deaf ears spiritually. And that's for everybody. Jesus was trying to save people, not build crowds. The miracles are not the point Jesus is. It is not enough to be around Jesus, but Jesus has to be in you. Because you can be at the beach surrounded by water and still be thirsty. Because it's not enough to be around water. Water has to be in you. You have to drink water. You have to experience water. You have to be satisfied by water. And a lot of us are around Jesus, but we haven't experienced Jesus because we have not drunk, drunk of him deeply. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. Now, know his purpose determines his presence. Now, before we talk about his presence, let's talk about your purpose, your purpose in ministry. You do know we all in the room have a purpose in ministry. What is your purpose? Now, listen, listen, we all are given different gifts. God has given us all different neighborhoods, different jobs, but the purpose is the same. Our purpose in ministry is to make Jesus more known. Let me let that sit for a minute. Let me let that sit for a minute. Let me let that marinate in the room for a minute. Doesn't matter your gifting. Doesn't matter your neighborhood. Doesn't matter your job. All of our purpose is the same, and it is to make Jesus known. In and through our gifting, to make him known in our neighborhoods, to make him known in our jobs, our purpose is to make Jesus known. Does that excite you? Does that make you want to get up and do something? Why? We want to make Jesus known. It's not rocket science. 
We want to make Jesus known so that people might believe and be saved. So that folks might not go to hell. And it's clear in Scripture, we are to seek and point the lost to the one who can save them. And newsflash, you cannot save no one. Our purpose is to get people to Jesus and not to church. Our purpose is to get people to Jesus and not to church. And when you understand your purpose, it will govern your presence. Okay, we know Jesus' purpose. Now, 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 now watch his presence. His presence is in the house. And again, he entered into Caprini after some days, and it was noticed that he was in the house. When Jesus came back to Caprini a few days later, it was heard that he was at home. My goodness, did you see that? Did you see it? I can imagine how lit it was when people heard the news. Jesus was in the house. I need you to get this. I want you to go there with me for a minute. Indulge me for a second. People flooded the streets of Caprinium. Can you see it? As the news was told that Jesus had returned. It didn't take long for the crowd. Uh, uh, it didn't take long for the crowd to gather. People didn't grab no shoes or nothing. They ran for their life. People were catching Ubers and Lyfts just to get to Jesus. Can you imagine that moment? You're chilling. You're watching Netflix and all of a sudden you're your, your, your iPhone and Android starts buzzing. See, I didn't, I didn't do no drama there, did I? I didn't, I didn't talk about iPhone there. I just said iPhone. I'm going to keep it moving. It starts buzzing, and all of a sudden, you get a message from your girlfriend or your homeboy, hey, Jesus is in the neighborhood, or you're watching the NBA playoffs, and your girlfriend FaceTimes you while you're in the house, and she tells you, hey, Jesus is down the street, or you look on the gram, and you see your home girl with a filter picture with Jesus. I don't know why you need a filter if you're in a picture with Jesus. I mean, you can touch your face and you'll be all right. But here it is. You look on the gram and you see people with Jesus. You turn on the radio. The radio is talking about Jesus, that Jesus is in the house. People are coming. You go out of the house. You see the streets. It's flooded. People everywhere. It's a crazy, radical scene because Jesus has showed up. And what do you do? You stop watching the playoffs. You get off of social media. You take out your phone. You order yourself an Uber. You hop in the ride and you get to the house because Jesus is there. No doubt people from all walks of life began to show up at the house. See, I'm not only taken aback by this text because there's a lot of people in the house. I'm taken aback because there's all kinds of people at the house. And, 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 and people from all walks of life. And when I say all walks of life, people from all walks of life is at Peter's house. And I think that if we are doing ministry right, if we're preaching the right gospel, 
then our ministry ought to draw people from all walks of life. And if our ministry is not drawing people from all walks of life, it's probably because we're catering to a people group. We're catering to certain type of people. We want to reach certain kind of people because we want to be comfortable within our own skin. But when I look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus was preaching to all kinds of people, poor people, the have and the have-nots, the white people, the black people. Jesus was preaching to everybody, the Jews and the Gentiles. His ministry incorporated everybody. I mean, even demon-possessed people were showing up to the house. I mean, even Jesus' haters were showing up at the house. You know that, you know that you're somebody when your haters go out of their way just to come and see you. I need you guys to feel and see what Jesus is doing. His ministry is taking off. Everybody is there. Meghan Markle is there. Two Chains is there. Taylor Swift is there. Chris Staples is there. Cardi B is there. Obama is there. Trump is there. Everybody is there to see Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus desired. He always made himself available to those who sought him. Let me slow it down. Let me run that line again. Jesus has always made himself available to those who seek him. This is huge. That Jesus, Lord of the universe, made space for what he was present for. Your purpose is going to determine how you steward your presence. And I mean, he left eternity for these people that's in Peter's house. Why would he hide from them? Why would he be too busy for them? Now, of course, of course, of course, I know what you're thinking. Of course, Jesus had time where he needed like a phone to be charged. But his charging pad was time alone with God. And he would go up in the mountains away from people. And we certainly need that. I'm not arguing that you don't need time away with God. In fact, make sure you do that. To spend time with the Father so that you actually have something to give when you are around people. But we also need to learn and put into practice how Jesus made himself available by just being there. You see, we have to be the church. And we have to be the church whether we're in this building or outside of this building. Let me ask you this. Do you make space in your life for people? Are you present with people? Let me ask you this. Are people welcome in your homes that God gave you? Are people welcome to cry at your house? Are people welcome to cry on your shoulder? See, it's one thing to, to clap about Jesus doing it, but we're called to be like Jesus. So I want to ask you, are you doing it? Are you making yourself available for the loss? You see, Jesus was never too busy for people. And most of the time, we don't make ourselves available for people who could spend eternity separated from God. Do you care about where people will rest eternally? 
Jesus' purpose was to save people, so he was present among people. But Jesus knew it was not enough to just be present. People needed God. People needed spiritual direction. Anybody in the house needs spiritual direction for your life? Have you ever been in moments in your life where you say, God, I need a word from you. God, I need you to speak to me. I'm in this crazy relationship, and I need you to give me some direction. Like right now, God, I'm on my last check from unemployment. I need you to speak to me. Like right, right, right now. God, I'm in a dilemma. I need you to speak to me. Like right, right, right now. Like God, I need direction from you. I need you to tell me which way to go because if you don't, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to mess this thing up. And so, God, I need you to be present right here. Nobody else is in the world. God, I need me and you face to face. I need to have a conversation with you. I need you to preach to this soul right here because I'm broken and I'm going through things that people don't understand. I've tried to talk to people. I've tried shoulders to lean on, but, God, I need you to talk to me. And Jesus would talk directly to people in their situations. Oh, I love it. Jesus was not only present, but Jesus was a preacher. It says here, many were gathering together so that there was no longer space, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Watch it now. Jesus didn't immediately begin to heal the sick. Isn't that something? Because these people are hurting These people are broken, and some of them are looking for direction. And you would think when Jesus gets into the house, the first thing that he would do is that he would pay attention to their needs, particularly their need to be healed, particularly their need for direction. But he doesn't do that. Instead, what Jesus does is he preaches the word to them. Jesus didn't immediately heal the sick. He preached the word unto them. This was his mission, the intent of his ministry. Jesus wanted men to believe in him as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He wanted them to believe in him, not the miracles he performed. And what we discover is many people turn from Jesus because they wanted something from Jesus and not Jesus. And I promise you, If you don't come to God for God at some point in your life, someday you will walk away from God because God will not let you be God. In other words, God will not make life happen the way you want it to. But if you come to God for God, that same God will sustain you. Notice Jesus didn't start healing right away. And there were plenty of people in need of healing. Jesus is concerned about your physical need, but he is far more interested in the condition of your soul, church. The multitudes he fed would hunger again. The lame that walk would grow old and face their infirmities. However, a heart that hears the gospel and believe in Christ is forever changed. Jesus came to eternally free us from sin, and he is here to meet you where you are. But he gave them the word. But how could he give them the word if he wasn't among them? Jesus is like a a spreader, y'all. Y'all know what a spreader is. It's one of these little fertilizer spread. I brought it up here. Thought a little visual may help. Y'all, the other week, uh, no, no, not the other week, but a couple weeks ago, uh, many of you know that I signed up for True Green because I want that True Green 
plushy grass. You know, I want, I want my grass to look, to, to, to look really, really, really nice. So I signed up. I gave them my credit card information. Y'all, they, they, they already took the money away from me, so I'm a little bit broker than I was a couple weeks ago. But nevertheless, after, tr- after you sign up with True Green, they actually send you a text message when they're on the way. And so here it is. I'm jogging here in the city. I like to jog in the city because I want to be amongst the people. And so I usually run from my house. I, I usually run from my house to the church. And so I'm about halfway to the church, y'all, and I get a text from True Green, and they said, Jordan will be at your house in a moment, Mr. Harris. So y'all, I, 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 I quickly make a U-turn because I got questions for little old Jordan. And so when I get there, I quickly meet, meet Jordan, and, and of course, you know, he in Gary, Indiana, y'all, and this black dude running up. So I had to let him know, hey, 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 Jordan, listen, I'm the homeowner here. How you doing, Jordan? He said, I'm doing good. Jordan pulls out of the back of his trunk. He pulls this, this spreader out. He sets it on the ground. He grabs a bag out of his pickup truck. He pours some stuff inside of this spreader. I say, hey, Jordan, what's that you're pouring into that spreader? He said, Mr. Harris, the stuff that I'm pouring into this spreader, it's the good stuff. He said, this stuff right here is going to make your grass grow super fast. But Mr. Harris, in order for this fertilizer, this good stuff to get on your grass, I got to go. I got to get moving. And so as Jordan began to move, I'm watching Jordan, y'all, because I want to make sure as he's spreading, he's getting all of my grass, all right, because you ain't going to shortcut me because y'all ain't shortcut me on the pavement. And so Jordan gets to walking, and, and things get to dispensing, and all you see is these little pebbles flying everywhere as Jordan was going, because Jordan was spreading the good stuff. But in order for Jordan to spread the good stuff, Jordan had to get on the grass. He had to be among the grass. And as Jordan is among the grass, he's able to spread the good stuff. And church, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that you and I are God's spreader. Yes, we are the spreader, church, but but in order for us to spread something, we got to have some good stuff in the inside. But you say, pastor, what's the good stuff? I said, you got to put the good stuff inside of the spreader. And when you put the good stuff inside of the spreader, when you put the 66 good books down in the inside of you, see, 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 but it's not enough for you to put it in the inside of you. You got to be like Jordan. You got to get going and you got to go amongst the grass and you got to go amongst people. Remember, I just told y'all that all kinds of people were in the house. And so you don't get to choose who you're going to go among. You go among who God calls you to go among, whether it's the poor, whether it's the sick, because you know, when you say, God, I'm going to do your will. God has seen you into places that you don't want to go. God has seen you in in corners that you don't want to go. God has seen you into situations that you don't want to go. But as long as you got the good stuff in the inside of you, something is going to happen to individuals around you. And so Jordan is just spreading. And Jordan is just going. He's in Gary, Indiana. Maybe it wouldn't have been his choice, but see, he works for True Green, and you go where True Green tells you to go. And friends, we work for a higher power who is God, and we go wherever he tells us to go. God sends you the location, and you get your tail there. And friends, we got to be able to take in good stuff if we're going to spread good stuff into the world. And so here's Jesus. He's at Peter's house, y'all. And as he's at Frida's house, he's doing what he does best. He's dispensing God's word. And as he's dispensing God's word, the fertilizer gets down into people's soul. And something happens. Something happens in the house that changes everything. Something dynamic happens in the house that changes everything. Because you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so these people have been listening to God. But as we know, everybody who hears the word doesn't believe the word. 
But that's not our responsibility. We're to spread the word whether they believe it or not. God determines who will believe, right? All you got to do is take your hands off of it. And so Jesus has been preaching. Jesus has been doing miracles. And here it is. Some seed has fallen on good soil. And, 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 and there's a few, there's a few that's in the house that believes. And so all of a sudden, faith in God meets in the house, and we begin to see Jesus' power unfold. Watch it. What I love most about this story is we get to see Jesus' power. Now watch how he uses one power to reveal another power. Remember, his main purpose, let me remind you, come on, students, his main purpose is to save people from their what? From their sins. But how? By forgiving them, right? He has to forgive sin to save him from sin. Watch it. Here's the story. And so people came, watch it, y'all, uh, bring it to him. A man who was paralyzed, carried by four men. Okay, let me slow down. want to make sure that we're all on the same page, JB. We got four guys carrying a paralyzed man. And when they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging and opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralyzed man was lying. Come on, priest Dexter Harris, hold up, wait a minute. These guys believed Jesus could heal their friend. But what is the evidence of their faith? They did whatever they had to do to get him to Jesus. They climbed on Peter's house, and they tore the roof off. Now, hold on, because if I'm the homeowner, I got issues now. I got issues. Because what you doing? What you doing? Hold on. You, you know, Will, you think about my gun in your crib pulling your roof out. What you going to do? You, you, you may go get that thing in the side of the drawer or whatever. All right? Because <laughs> you're not going to be pulling things off my roof. So I can imagine Peter. He, he messed up. Jesus, we're going to take up a love offering to some. Somebody going to have to fix this roof because it does rain in Capernaum. And so, and so if, I, if I was him, I'd have been messed up. But I'm going to lay that aside. Okay? That was just a little extra there. But, when, but, 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 but what I learned from these guys is when you truly believe God is all that he said that he is, you will not be denied his presence. See, if we really believe God can heal people, we will do whatever we can to get people to Jesus. See, those who have real faith in Jesus, I'm talking about believers that really, really, really believe Jesus, they do everything that they can to get people to Jesus. Watch these four men. They believe Jesus so much that they climb on top of the roof, they pull the roof. Don't they look crazy? Don't they look, don't they look pathetic up there? But they don't care because they know what Jesus can do. And so they climb on the roof and they tear it off and they get their friends down in the house. Because they want him there. Can I ask y'all a question? When the last time you went out of your way to get somebody to Jesus? I mean, when was the last time that you climbed on top of houses and pulled off roofs? Because you had the unmitigated gall to believe God so much that he can save people that you did whatever it is to get people to Jesus. When was the last time that you prayed a radical prayer like this? God, today, as I wake up this morning, I want you to inconvenience my day to meet somebody so that I can introduce them to you. When was the last time that you did that? When was the last time that you reached into your own pockets 
in order to help somebody who was lost? When was the last time that you opened up your mouth and proclaimed that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? When was the last time that you gave of yourself? Watch these men because they believe Jesus. They do what they could and what they can to get this man to Jesus. People who do this are people who have met the Lord and experienced his power in their own lives. See, you don't go out of your way to get people to Jesus unless you experience the power yourself. They know the life they used to live and how Jesus brought them out. The dread and discouragement of life has been replaced with hope and joy in the Lord. They have found something that is real, something that's transformed their lives. And maybe that friend or parent today brought you because they believe that Jesus could save for real. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing to get people to Jesus? But see, that sounds good. But loving people is very difficult. People are difficult. Okay, you didn't, you didn't shout. You are difficult. See, to really do ministry, to really get people to Jesus, let me get down to earth here. To really get people to Jesus, y'all, it really does come. To love people, to do this kingdom work, it costs you. But you know as Americans, we love our comforts. We don't like to give up our comfort. We want to know, how does this affect my pay? I don't know if I want to move into that neighborhood. To get people to Jesus, it's going to cost you. It's going to require something out of you. It's going to require some sleepless nights. But are you willing to climb on top of houses because you've been impacted by him? Now watch this. They get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, watch this. This is crazy. Watch his response. Watch this. Son, your sins are forgiven. Hold up. Wait a minute. Stop the press. They came to Jesus to have their friends healed. To, to, to have their friend healed. But Jesus sees a deeper need. His soul is paralyzed. He's unable to come to God because of his sin. Y'all got to get this now. So Jesus forgives his sin. It's interesting that Jesus spoke of forgiveness before physical healing. The Lord is well able to do both, but our spiritual needs are far more important than our physical ones. You see, God is not caught off guard like Drake. Drake said, I wasn't looking for your secrets. They just came to me and contradicted everything you claim to be. But God, with God, you have no secret. God knows exactly who you are. And God knows the condition of this man's soul. And so before.